welcome to Firm Foundation. In these times of shifting standards and faulty foundations, there is a solid place on which to build a victorious life. And that place is the Firm Foundation of Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Your host for Firm Foundation is Brian Hudson, a Bible teacher, pastor, author, and producer of Life Enriching Media. We're going to go into the Word on today. We're going to start out in Acts chapter 18. If you want to go there and get ready. Today, we're going to continue in the series, which is based on the vision for this year, which is simply love and serve. And it's based on our ministry theme and model, loving God, loving people and serving the world. And so that is our theme. And it is also the vision for this year in two words, summarizing the theme in the motto, love and serve. Say, Lord, thank you. I love and I serve. And today's topic would be God's people in the city. I want to give you the text that came from and to do some study into this text. Acts chapter 18, verse nine. Read with me, please. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in a night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you for I have many people in this city. And he continued there for a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Note the phrase for I have many people in this city. We're going to spend some time on that text today, that's verse nine. We're going to back up in a moment and come down from verse one. But I want you to know that the Lord has a way of drawing people to himself. Really, it's all about God doing it. As much as we need to preach the word and tell people about Jesus, it is God who makes everything happen. It is God who causes people to, to understand that Christ is real. He loves them. And there's power present to save them. But then he has to have people to share that message so that the Holy Spirit can use that word to open people's eyes to God. So God draws people to himself. Now, Paul possessed a focus many of us don't have today. That is, Paul's entire life was turned towards serving God's purpose, building God's kingdom and reaching people for Christ. Now, of course, he was an apostle. He was a founder. His mission was clear. And yet we should reflect Paul's focus, even though we have we're not full time ministry. All of us, we have jobs and responsibilities, but there should be a part of our lives, a big part that's focused on the same things that Paul was focused on. Again, that is to build God's kingdom and bring souls to Christ. Amen. So because of this, Paul suffered greatly, as you know, persecuted and one time stoned and left for dead. People prayed for him. He got up, you know, and went back preaching again. I'm like, Paul, now listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going on vacation. You know, if you stone me and I get raised from the dead, I'm taking a vacation, okay? But Paul went straight back to the city preaching again. So Paul was very intense like that. But example for us is, is clear that we should have this focus on helping people know Christ because God has many people in this city. Next point I'll make to you is this. All right. God has called people 
who haven't heard yet. Say that. Say, God has called people who haven't heard yet. Leave the slide up for a while. God has called people who haven't heard yet. What does that mean? Well, this is what it says, that the call has gone out. It's almost like, you know, how maybe you had experience, I've had experience where I've been at the airport and they called for the flight, you know, call for the flight, flight 718 to Los Angeles is boarding now. And I'm somewhere else, you know, because they you know, the, the speaker doesn't, doesn't sound in all the airport, just where you close to your gate. And I was away from the gate and they made the announcement and I didn't hear it, you know, and I lost track of time. But finally, they put up on the whole, to the whole airport, looking for Brian Hudson, you know, Brian, <laughs> your flight is boarding, you know, I got my attention, you know. So they, you know, I heard that one though, but, the, but I missed, they called for my flight, but I wasn't listening. I wasn't in the place where I could hear. And thank God for mercy. They called my name on the entire airport, you know, intercom system. And I came running and I got there as a Southwest flight. And so I lost, <laughs> I lost out, y'all. I lost out. Ended up going to a middle seat. And tell you how bad it was. I'm going down the aisle, plane play, is full. And I see a middle seat and said, can I sit there? The person said, no. You can't sit here. What I'm going to do, you know, I, I kept on walking. Somebody let me in. That was embarrassing. But, it, but the point is, God has called people who haven't heard yet. And so next point here is, this is why they need to hear from us. Say, this is why they need to hear from me. Because we are God's mouthpiece that we are laborers together with God. And the worst case scenario is that people would leave this world, die and not know Jesus, having been called by God, but we never told them. We never conveyed the message. Now God can do other things other ways. It's not always up to us, but I don't know if I am the last person that has an opportunity. I don't, I never, you never know. So don't, don't take it for granted that, that somebody else would tell them about the good news of Christ. Amen. Now, Romans 8, 28, we're going to get into this, this part of the message and, and help you understand how God brings people to himself. So Romans 8, 28, if you can read with me, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now, there are some, some key words. In fact, we read the New Living Translation of that same verse. It says, it says this, I'll read it to you. For God knew his people in advance. Hmm? He says, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing with himself, he gave them his glory. Hmm? Now, there's some words here. The path to a new life with Christ, there's these, 
these five words, five statements. There's God's foreknowledge. God knew. Then there is predestined, called, justified, glorified. Say God's foreknowledge. God's foreknowledge. Predestined, predestined. Called. called justified, justified. Glorified. And that's what God does. Now, everything begins with what God knows. God knows everything. God knows the end from the beginning. When the whole thing started before Genesis, God knew everything that would come after. He knew that we'd be sitting right here hearing this word. He knew you would come to Christ the day you came to Christ. But I want to say that people misunderstand this process. People presume things they should not presume for they have no understanding. So I'm going to break these words down for you and talk about how there's this path and how we get to the point how God can say, I got people in this city. We'll come back to that. Now, notice, first of all, the word predestined. Predestination, first of all, it is not universal salvation, which teaches that everyone will be redeemed and no one will be eternally lost. That's going around. You know, God is such a good God. He would he would never send people to hell. He don't have to send them. They going on their own. <laughs> the Bible said, watch this. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. Let me be clear about this. You run with the devil. You're going where the devil goes. God ain't got to send you. You're going to send yourself because you're attached to the wrong things. God don't want anybody to die and go to hell. He wants all to be saved. That's God's will. So this thing about God doesn't send people. He doesn't. But people go on their own. They choose to reject Christ, to attach to things that are, not, that are wrong and sinful and demonic, and they get dragged on to the place where they've chosen. So predestination is not universal salvation. It is not irresistible grace. Irresistible grace is a teaching that goes around that, you know, if, if, if God has grace to save you, you can do nothing to resist it. You're going you're gonna to be saved no matter what you do, no matter how you feel. No, that's not true. It's not irresistible. Grace is not irresistible. It's strong now. You got to work hard to, to avoid what God has for you, but you can't avoid it. You can get away from what God has for you. God won't force you. He gave us a free will. We're made in God's image and likeness. Well, part of that is we can make a choice. And some choose not to follow God. After all he's done for them, all he has shown them, they still choose to go a different way. So grace is not irresistible. Next point. Nor is it Calvinism. Now, John Calvin lived a long time ago. He did some good work, but he had, a, he had some doctrine that wasn't wasn't correct, uh, but Calvinism asserts this. At the beginning of time, God selected a limited number of souls to grant salvation, and there's nothing any individual person can do during their mortal life to alter their eternal state. Either you were chosen or you were not chosen, and that's all there is to it. But here is the mystery of it. Of course, God already knows who's going to be saved 
and who's going to be lost. That doesn't mean that God decided you're going to be lost, you're going to be saved. He knows all the choices that people are going to make. But he doesn't tell us. We have no idea. We don't have the luxury of saying, well, should I preach to you? Lord, tell me, is he going to be saved? I'm going to waste my time on it. <laughs> I mean, come on now. And so, no, you, you got to preach to everybody. The Bible's clear. Preach the gospel to everyone. Because God wills for all to be saved. His will, the Bible says it, for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what he said. But God knows the people who will not yield, who will not choose. So what Calvinism does is go straight ahead and make a statement like there's a limited number of people going to be saved. So I guess you, so the one who said it, are you sure, are you sure you're in the number? You know, you said it, are you sure you're in the number? It's a ridiculous statement. It's a ridiculous doctrine that's widely held. I won't, I won't get into more details than that, but it's just sad. Now, but more about this Calvinism, though. Calvinism was compatible with slavery. You know, that's a good test, right? Anything that supports slavery could not be from God. And so we read here that Calvinists maintain that enslaving non-Christian Africans was beneficial for them since they became exposed to Christianity. I told y'all that that um, um, Bob Jones University uh, curriculum came to our daycare. A salesman came to sell us curriculum and I went straight there. Hey, OK, let's ask some questions here. What do you believe? about slavery and about Africans being enslaved. He said, well, it was good for them because it brought them to America, to America. He said, now there's a door and there's a door. You can choose either door you want. <laughs> I'm done with you, I, I didn't say that. But you know, come on now. As if y'all, the gospel went to Africa before it went to Europe. Yes, Africans, some, many rejected it. You know, but, but the gospel was in Ethiopia before it went to Europe. So this thing about Africans not knowing about God, oh, they knew. And still know. I mean, the, the, the biggest churches in the world are in Africa. Africa sends missionaries to America. And all around the world. Like we send missionaries. So the point is, don't, Calvinism is just compatible with slavery. Now here's the point I make to you. The truth is, God knows who will be saved because he knows all things. But it's not our place to make any assumptions about who will be saved, but to reach everyone. Amen. Amen. See, the thing about them believing Africans could be enslaved is, well, you know, they obviously could not be the elect. The elect were the chosen people. So how could these subhuman people be the elect? They assume that, let's enslave them. The fact is, the fact is, every human is made in the image and likeness of God. It's so true that you should never let people use the word slave. They were enslaved people. The difference is, you say he was a slave, you're, you've changed his identity. You've agreed with what they made him. So calling him a slave speaks to what someone did to him. His identity is Imago Dei. That man and woman, boy, girl, is made in the image in likeness of God. So they were enslaved people. 
that puts the focus on who did it to them. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You, use that, okay? Yeah. The slaves. What are we talking about? You mean, you mean your fellow humans made in God's image and likeness who were enslaved by other people? Right? Because they want to think that, well, because they're subhuman, you can do other things with them. You got the point. But Calvinism, Calvinism was compatible with slavery. So predestination is not Calvinism. So now, so the path, again, to new life in Christ, there is foreknowledge of God. He knew. And because God knew, then, of course, he worked with you. So you can't say, you never know what God's going to do, y'all. We can't say that this person over here who acts so ungodly and so mean and arrogant, they can never be saved because some of us were those people. That folks said, that boy ain't never going to be saved. Look at him. But I know some nice people never got saved and evil people got saved. So you can't judge the book by the cover. You know this. So so there's foreknowledge. There's predestination, it's part of foreknowledge, but then there's being called. Next slide, called, say called. called. Called is conviction of the Holy Spirit from hearing the gospel of Christ. So the calling is that when someone gets exposed to the gospel, when someone hears the word, when someone hears about Jesus, what he offers them, they sense the Holy Spirit, you know, calling them. They feel the pull, the tug in their hearts. We've all, we've all felt that sense that and we came to Christ because of that that's the first thing then it's justified so once we have acknowledged the call and we have come to Christ then we are justified meaning that we're made righteous through the new birth upon receiving Christ as Lord so justified means just as if you never sinned so when God when God saves us the Bible says he forgets, he chooses to forget all of our sins. He doesn't, he doesn't hold it against us. He does not remember those things. We remember and feel condemned, but God doesn't, doesn't circle back around and remind us of stuff we used to do. People do that, God doesn't. So justified is being made righteous. We can't make ourselves righteous. God makes us righteous. Say, I'm righteous because of what God did. That's the whole reason. And then we're glorified. That sounds strange, but by God's grace, God's grace, by God's grace, presence and training, growing and becoming more mature and fruitful. Now, glorified just simply means becoming what God intended. And as a whole study, I've done on that in the past. But the idea is simply that when the presence of God comes and, is, and is, he's working with you and you're being trained and taught, then you are becoming what God wants. So you're becoming glorified, just becoming what God has called you to be. Simple that. It's not, it's not, you don't light up and glow and all that, the glory cloud over you. No, just you, in essence, you become who God wants you to become. And that process continues all of your life. Amen? Amen. So say, I am called, I am called. Justified, justified, and glorified. Here's a scripture to support that. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are you in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification 
and redemption. That as it is written, let no, let, uh, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. You can't glory and boast in yourself. Amen. So Christ, because of him, he became, he became our wisdom. He became our righteousness. He became our sanctification, meaning he set us apart for himself. And he became our redemption, brought us back from our sinful place and our place of being lost eternally. So then it's all in Christ. That's why we need to recognize that Jesus, obviously for us, he's the reason that, that people can have hope and have new life. Now, back to our text. What did God mean by this? I have many people in this city. Let's go back to Acts chapter 18, verse 1. And I read down and teach from this right now. So it says, all right, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. Say Paul departed. See, Paul wasn't in the same place all the time. That's the first little tip. You can't be in the same place all the time. And, and find people and reach people for Christ. It's very difficult because people who know you tired of you anyway. They, <laughs> you you got to find some new people to talk to. All right. Verse two. And he found a certain Jew. Say so he, he found a certain Jew named Aquila born in Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded that all the Jews depart from Rome and he came to them. So because he, Paul, was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for by occupation. They were tent makers. So here Paul met Aquila and his wife Priscilla. It was a connection made because Paul departed and went among other people. And God arranged all of this, of course. And so at the same time, Aquila and his wife were, were, had been put out of Rome or threatened to leave Rome because they were Jews. And so they hooked up and met. And they, Paul and Aquilus were both tent makers. They worked together. Paul lived with them. They made tents together, got acquainted. And eventually Paul led Aquila to the Lord. And he became they became both ministers and leaders in God's church. Again, example of how God has people in the city. And then he said this, verse four says, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So Paul went down to the synagogue where he had no place being, you know, he was a, he was a Jew, but he was a Christian. They didn't want him up in there. And so he was preaching and getting into arguments and debates. And, you know, he, but he persuaded Jews and Greeks. See, reason doesn't mean you just preach at people. It means you just talk to people on whatever topic. And, of course, you circle back around, show how God is relevant to the topic. It's a process. It's not just you, you, you preach a preset, a preset sermon, three steps, two steps, four steps. You can do that, but you don't start there. You have to start with just getting acquainted with people, get to know people. Amen. Build some trust. Build some rapport. Show people, let people know you actually care about them, not just for them to, you know, know God, but I care about you, whether or not you know God. Amen. I want you to know God, but I still care about you, whether or not you know God. 
So watch this. So it says that was a connection. Next, next verse here, verse five. So it says when Paul and Silas had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. Y'all sick of me, I'm sick of y'all. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going somewhere else. That's real, y'all. That's how God sometimes moves you on, you know? It's just, you're tired of this situation. So I'm going, I'm going to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And he departed, he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God. Now, Justice worshiped God. He was not yet saved, but he worshiped God. That's possible. People worship God. They don't know what they're doing, but they can find Christ and it, be, it becomes more real to them. They have a heart. They have a, the, the character is good, but they need more understanding. But his, so his, whose house was next door to the synagogue. So, so watch this. So Paul's in the synagogue trying to persuade the Jews. They blasphemed. They got sick of him. They put him out. Paul went to the house next door. <laughs> Just next door. And he, so he was with a man named Justice. Another connection. See, God has people in the city. You got to just understand they're out there. You have, to just, you have to just move, keep moving until you meet some of them or those who are destined to be saved. That's the point, because God has foreknowledge. They're called. Then they are justified and glorified. So at some point, we're to connect with people to help them realize the calling. Then it says this. It goes on. And then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue. Again, he was, he was from the bunch of people who put Paul out. There's always somebody in the group, you know, who will pay attention if you separate them out. You know, in the group, people just hold on to their little thing, but you get them alone, they'll listen to you sometimes. So then it says, Crispus, a ruler, a ruler, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Look at this. Because Paul was willing to just move and, and, and be wherever he could be to help people. We're seeing now that God is working through his effort, through his heart, through his passion. And see, that's verse eight. That brings us to verse back to verse nine where we started, where Paul, again, it says, the Lord spoke to Paul, don't go back to on the slide, I'll read it to you. The Lord spoke to Paul in the night vision, do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent. I am with you. That's the best part. I am with you. No one shall attack to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. So Paul you know, in the city, in every city. So he ran up on, there was Aquila, and there was Priscilla, and there was Crispus, and there was, uh, who else was in there? Justice up in there. Then, then a whole host of people, his, his family, the Corinthians. See what happens here? So when God has people, 
in position. He has already, he has the foreknowledge. God has, so then the, the, the predestiny is in there. And now he needs someone to show up prepared to share the truth. So they can make the connection with what they, what they feel to the truth that Jesus loves me and wants to save me. Amen. Next slide here. So again, God has called people who haven't heard yet. And there are connections with people waiting to be made. Say that. There are connections with people waiting to be made. Say it again. There are connections with people waiting to be made. Yeah. That's how it works. So Romans 10, 14 says this. All right. So how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how should they hear without a preacher? And how should they preach unless they are sent? Now, preacher doesn't mean ordained, licensed preacher. It means a proclaimer. Every one of us is a preacher when we're in the mode of telling people the gospel of Christ. And so that, uh, yeah, so understand our part in this is, is, is important. That God has put the call out, but he needs, he needs us to be in position to have to understand what's going on. All right, final, final slide in the message and, and two other slides. I'm going to show you an example of uh, what I want to give you here, hopefully soon. All right, so the message of the gospel is the power of God to salvation. Now, the gospel is the message that Jesus came. He came. He was sinless didn't sin, did nothing wrong, and yet suffered and died like a sinner, which meant he didn't do that. Uh, he didn't suffer for his own wrongs. He died for our sins. That's why he suffered like that, because of what we did. And then we know that he suffered and was killed and died, buried. He was buried, and he rose from the dead, which no one's ever done before. So he died as a result of all the punishment and the load of all the sins, everyone in the world, past, present, and future, has committed. And then he, he died under the pressure of all that, but took it all to the grave. And then the Bible says he rose on the third day. He rose from the, he rose from the dead. He rose without any of the wound, except for one you know, the, the marks in his hands to symbolize where he had been. But he 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 rose without the burden of sins. He rose with all power. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Oh, that's a lot of power. y'all. All power. And and he has defeated Satan. We know this. So the point is, the gospel is the message of Christ's death, burial and resurrection. So Romans says this, verse 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek or non-Jew. In fact, say it with me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is a power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. There it is. That's why, you know, we, we preach, 
we, we, we share the message, we give an, an altar call, so to speak, and we ask people, you know, do you want to receive Christ as Lord and Savior? And of course, Pastor Bumpus always says, and if you're serious about it, I use that too now. A lot of folks are not really serious about it. So say, if you're serious about it, then, you know, come up here, raise your hand, whatever. Because faith, the point is, if you believe it, you're serious. See, the, the seriousness part means if you believe. Believe means are you serious? Are you serious? A lot of folks are not serious. Want to raise your hand and whatever. No, no. Are you serious about it? If you're serious about it, then come on, come on down or raise your hand, whatever. So then there is... The point to make today, this is how we know and why we know God has many people in the city. In this city, wherever you were born, wherever you come from, I mean, wherever you go, God has people. And listen, y'all, it's amazing how the connections can be formed quickly. And there aren't always lifelong connections. Sometimes it's a connection in the moment. Sometimes it's God doing something in the moment. Now, you'll stay connected at some, in, at some level, but don't think you have to, you know, know people for six months. No, you know, God does things fast sometimes. Sometimes you're there for a season, maybe for one day, maybe for one hour. You know, so don't, don't fail to share the gospel. You know, my, <laughs> my mother did that. She, didn't, she was serious about this. She would meet somebody and get a track out. You know Jesus, you know? I mean, it, it seemed kind of over the top, but... She wants souls like that because there are people you will meet and they are already ready. They are ready to receive. God's been working on them. One waters, one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. So you may be a waterer, maybe a planter. The planter doesn't see a whole lot, but the watering person will see more. But when God's ready for increase, then you'll see the fruit of those who planted and those who water, don't even stress about anything. Just do your part. Right. Just do your part. All right, final thing is this. I have an idea I want to share with you. This is a slide of a business card size card. And I'm thinking I want to create these and give these out to all the members of our church and whoever wants one. This is the front side of the card. And the idea was just something simple to put in somebody's hand. It's not, it's not the whole message. It's not everything we're going to say. Um, bring it back up. Leave it up if you could, please. But I want you to look at this card and we'll get your thoughts about it later. It's a concept. It's a concept. Church name, our motto, loving God, loving people, serving the world, website. Of course, QR code to the church website. But then this phrase, the church is not a building. It is people growing strong together through Christ. That's a simple thought. One thought on that card only. All right, the, the backside looks like this. I'm using Jeremiah 29, 11 again. Thinking about how people might receive something for the first time. So God said this, and people may consider this. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. It's a good text, isn't it? It's, this, is not, this is not preaching. You, you got to preach. The preaching's on you. This is just a, something to get the, get the conversation started, get the interest level up. So then it says this. If you'd like to learn more about God's plan for you, contact me. Here's my name. 
Now, the part of this I will ask you to think about doing is this. Now, there's a phone number here. Don't use your phone number. Use a Google Voice number if you can get one, all right? But then an email. Create an email just for the card. Make up a Google email, a Yahoo email, just to use for this witnessing card. Not your personal email, right? So, again, think about this. I'll, we'll talk more about this later on. It's a concept to have, you know, have some cards you can just kind of give people. You can, you, know, you can talk to them if you want to. They can, they can respond back to you if they have an interest in learning more. Amen, somebody? Amen. Father, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for uh, reminding us there are many people in this city, in our neighborhood, at our workplace, at our schools, Lord. There are many people that you've already predestined, Lord God, for salvation, but you haven't told us which ones. So it's on us to help and reach out to everyone. And Lord, it will be revealed. Your calling, Lord God, will be manifest upon those whose hearts you prepared. And I thank you, Father God, that when they've uh, heard the gospel, that they will be become justified or made righteous. And Lord, after that, Lord, they will be glorified as they grow and grow and learn how to walk with Jesus and how to be a part of your family. And we thank you, Father God, that this will be a way in which we can love and serve, Lord, in this new year, everywhere we go. Not some big program, just a simple witness, person to person. And we thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.